Come and see. Come and see. Those words have rang from the scripture for thousands of years. Those words represent belief, conviction, expectation, and excitement. What Nathaniel, as he said those words, was 100% confident in what he was inviting his brother Philip to come and experience. What about you? What, what are you so confident about that you will say to your family and friends, come and see? What is it that moves you to that level? What about us today in the church? What about Faith Promise? What do we say, come and see to? A restaurant, Netflix series, social media posts, maybe a music video? What is it that stirs us that we say to others, come and see? What are you confident enough to attach your name to to get it out there, come and see? Think back. What was the last thing or the last couple of things that you were so excited about that you said, come and see? I wonder if we were to make a list, would Jesus make the top of the list or would he be on the list? Or would it be that his love and grace and salvation that we were so excited about years ago has just become a commonplace thing that's lost its luster. I wonder why so many Christ followers today don't say anymore, come and see. It's not malicious, but it is a response, and no response is a response. Maybe you've been in the very precarious position of telling someone these three words, I love you, only to be met with crickets chirping. And then you wish that you could vanish because you said, I love you, and they look, they're looking back at you. You're wondering, Lord, kill me, or what do they think? Do they love me? Do they not love me? What's going on? You see, no response sometimes is louder than a response. Our response as Christ followers should be come and see, shouldn't it? Would y'all agree with that? Come and see. Say it with me. Come and see. And that's what we're gonna do. Father God, as we unpack this message, God, I believe you wanna set some people free. But Lord, we live in a world of lies and half lies and half truths and doubts and and things that have been written upon our hearts by the enemy or by other people that do not line up with your word. And therefore, God, across all our campuses this weekend, there are people that are living substandard to what Jesus bought. There's no victory, there's no peace, there's no overwhelming joy because another narrative was written over the top of lies, doubts, innuendos. God, would you open those up to us would you expose us to your word, your truth? Would, there, would you just give us a major impartation? Let your word, God, be a plumb line. Let it be a mirror to show us how you want us to live in incredible victory. It's for, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Help us walk in. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. come on, welcome, Faith Promise. So thrilled to see you. Who's excited to be in the house of God this weekend? And we love you. God by bars, thrilled you're with us. Merry Christmas online. We're thrilled. And practically speaking, 
Next weekend is an awesome opportunity to say to your friends, come and see. Invite, you need to make reservations. By the way, some of the services at Pellissippi I know are already full for next Saturday. We have several services and services across all of our campuses. And so I just want to encourage you to be here, get your today, make sure that you go ahead and and reserve your spot. We're just trying to divide the crowds out for next weekend, Christmas Eve. So then also an incredible opportunity, last service, to get baptized. If you've got family or friends that are traveling in and you want them to be a part of that celebration, if you'll let us know, we'll be ready. Or if you can do what we call Mary and Martha, sit one and serve one, there's a QR code on the screen and you could click that and let us know what service that you could serve, parking lot, kids ministry, wherever uh, you could, because again, we're gonna, we're already know the crowds are, it's gonna be an incredible weekend, and we're just believing God for something great. So this weekend, some people are gonna be set free. How do I know? Because God is here, and God is about transformation. Y'all believe God wants to transform us? Come on, somebody. The hand that holds us, and what we want to do today is it's sort of a new term Pastor Zach came up with. We want to nullify the Nazareth narrative. The Nazareth narrative. It's not just a nice little title, but what, what those of us that, are, that are, are here this week participating in this corporate worship event, we believe God wants to transform you. So what is a Nazareth narrative? Well, this would be a Nazareth a narrative easy for Jesus himself to pick up. In John's gospel, and we saw some of it on the video, chapter 1, verse 43, the next day he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip, and Jesus said to him, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, one of the, uh, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said unto him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And, and what did he say? Come and see. Now Nazareth is really a very, was a, just, a, just a blip on the radar now, the only time Nazareth is mentioned in the Bible is when it is in with where Jesus is, Jesus of Nazareth. If you read the Old Testament, New Testament, there are hundreds of cities represented. There are 40 different nations that are talked about, but you will never see Nazareth talked about except in line with Jesus being from there. The city was so uneventful, so unimportant, so this little bitty you know, little, little bitty country town that it was forgotten and a, a saying developed in Israel, which is what we've heard on the video, can anything good come from Nazareth? That wasn't just, it wasn't just Philip. That was a saying that everyone in that day would have known. So imagine every time you're introduced, this is Jesus of Nazareth. The automatic response to everyone is, Anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, that's a no nothing, no being nowhere. Now, imagine if you're Jesus and you're growing up and everything about you is that's Jesus of Nazareth, nobody from nowhere. 
The book of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, that Jesus well, Jesus underwent all the same temptation, the struggles that we did, and yet without sin. Now, maybe you never thought about how Jesus viewed his childhood. We know that he's the virgin-born son of God, the Messiah. We know that he's come to reveal the kingdom, to expose the world to a love that it has never fully understood, the love of the heavenly Father. And yet, here's Jesus in Nazareth, born to a young Young girl, teenager, gossiped and talked about because people said he was illegitimate because Joseph and Mary were not yet married when Mary became pregnant. So every time, every time Jesus, he hears people talking about, yeah, his mom, dad wasn't married. Yeah, he's illegitimate. Yeah, he's from Nazareth. Yeah, he's nobody from Emmy. He's nobody from nowhere They didn't call him Jesus of Bethlehem, which is where he was born. They didn't call him Jesus of prophecy, Jesus of promise. They called him Jesus of poverty, Jesus of Nazareth. I wonder if anybody has been allowed to rename you like that, to start a Nazareth narrative about you. How did Jesus feel? Unknown, not special, forgotten? Fatherless, how did he deal with the name that was placed upon him, Jesus of Nazareth? I don't don't know about you, but I really hadn't thought much of his struggles as a young boy hearing people whisper and point fingers, because that's what they used to do, by the way. If you're young, you say, that never happened. It's always happened until the current generation. When I was a kid, if a teenage girl got pregnant, she could no longer attend school. She was kicked out of school. She was kicked out, she was shunned, and that's how Mary was treated. These little bitty small towns, everybody knew what was going on. And so I'm grateful that we see Jesus' struggle and his overcoming that struggle because of his freedom and his victory, and then ultimately on a cross and coming out of the tomb, we too who have a Nazareth narrative can overcome. We too can walk in victory. We too can overcome the lies of Lucifer has spread all over us. So let's think for a minute. What is your Nazareth narrative? What is it? Now, this is what I want to tell you. Jesus is offering you freedom, and I believe that we can walk in all the freedom that we want to. But there are people I talk to all the time that I see the Nazareth narrative in their life, and I point it out, and they defend it. Are you with me? They defend the narrative instead of walking away from, you can walk in all the freedom that you want. Now, the Nazareth narrative typically starts very subtly because that's the devil. He's very subtle. Eve, did God really say not to eat that fruit? Eve, did God, are you really gonna die if you eat that fruit? There is a truth that is twisted and a lie that's inserted that begins a Nazareth narrative that draws you away from the victory and the joy and the peace that God wants you to walk in. Especially if your Nazareth narrative, like Jesus starts at a very young age. My Nazareth narrative started when I was three. See, my dad didn't want me. I looked around and he was gone. The one that was supposed to be there to love and to protect me, to teach me, to be there for me so that I wouldn't be hurt was A-W-O-L. He was absent without leave. He was gone. He didn't care 
enough to be there. He didn't care enough to protect me. See, young children don't, they don't understand divorce. All they know is mom or dad's gone. That's all I got. So how do you explain to a four-year-old that, oh, well, your dad really does love you. There's no Christmas gift. There's no birthday card. There's no protection. I wasn't even on his radar. I wasn't a thought in his mind. So that's the narrative that began to ride into my life. And so I became the class clown, overcoming my insecurities because of the narrative that was written on me that was not God's narrative, but it was a narrative that I believed. Are you with me? That I believed that narrative. My dad didn't teach me to hunt. He didn't teach me to fish. He didn't teach me how to play sports. He didn't teach me how to love God. He didn't teach me how to be a man. And so my Nazareth narrative began with, there is something wrong with me. This is my fault. So at five years old, when I'm being physically abused by stepdad, obviously I deserved what I was getting. And then as I got a little older and I was sexually abused, there's something wrong with me. This is your fault, Chris. See, no dad would ever love you and the only men in your life are gonna beat you or they're going to sexually abuse you. When you look around and all you experience is rejection and pain, it's gonna rewrite a narrative. I understood abuse, I understood abandonment. There was something wrong with me. Why would anybody love me? I'm unlovable, I'm trash. There's no hope for my future. And so can I tell you, in that narrative that is being written and rewritten every day, Drugs became an easy escape, and now I could go back to being, the, to being the one telling the jokes, the one everybody was patting on the back, the life of the party, but I got to see how deep the rabbit hole actually went. So you can't outrun a narrative because a narrative always runs you down from the inside. You can't escape the narrative if it's within you. It doesn't work that way. You have to transform the narrative. You have to have a new narrative rewritten over the old narrative. It's got to be transformed because the hands that hold you, see, God wants to hold you and mold you and write the real and right narrative on your heart, not what somebody else wrote. But for most of us, the narrative, again, there's some form of true, but there's a part of a lie, and that's why Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. It is the truth that delivers from evil. It is the truth. It is dragging it into the light and letting God expose it to his word. It's allowing and understanding the love and the, the adoption, the care, the ministry of God. So what would your Nazareth narrative be? What, what, what is it in your life? Is there something that the devil's helped craft in your life? What are we gonna, what are we gonna do? Where are we gonna go with it? In Luke chapter four, Jesus is led into the wilderness in Luke chapter four, verse one. He's, he's going to, after these 40 days of fasting and prayer, he's gonna begin his earthly ministry. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. So Jesus goes to a place to starve the Nazareth narrative. But after 40 days of no food and no water and fasting and seeking the face of the Father, the devil shows up. And what is the first thing that the devil attacks? If you really are the Son of God. What did he do? He knew the narrative and he goes straight for the narrative. Are you with me? 
straight with that sword, straight back to all those, those painful thoughts as a child that Jesus had, right there. And all three temptations strike at the heart of who Jesus was. Twice God the Father speaks to the Son so that the people can hear. Both times, what does the Father say? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He's my Son. He's not Joseph's son. He's not an illegitimate son. I don't care what the world's right. He is my one unique virgin born son of the most high God. He is the Messiah. He has come to set you free. He is the overcoming victorious lamb of God. Woo, my mercy. He went to a place where the Nazareth narrative didn't get fed. Where does your Nazareth narrative get fed? Social media, the gym, Maybe a relationship that's, that's ruined, that didn't go like you thought that it should go. Well, where, where, do, where, where, where does that Nazareth narrative come from? This won't be long and we'll be at 21 days of fasting and prayer in January. You get to pick up the devotion Pastor Zach kind of wrote for you this weekend. In it, there's personal growth plan, place to do your word for the year, a devotion for the month of January next. And so I want to challenge you like you never have. Join us in the 21 days of prayer because we want to be a church where the narrative gets rewritten. We want to be a church that does what Jesus said. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to proclaim the favor of the year. I'm going to open blind eyes. I'm going to deliver the captives. I'm going to set those free that are oppressed and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That's what we want to do. And next year is the most important year in the and uh, really uh, since we were founded, as we transition next year, and so all of that's covered in there. You want to grab your book and get ready. That way, January one one, you can get on the Bible reading plan with me. Because listen, listen, you have to know the truth to be set free by the truth. Are you with me? So, so what are we going to do? I don't know about you, but I am so sick and tired of watching the devil tell people lies and then believe those lies and live substandard of what Jesus bought us on that cross. Are you with me? See, I believed I was unwanted, unlovable. But what I, what I began to do is, is I was in the process of trading that Nazareth narrative for another narrative that I would just become a people pleaser. So if you're not careful... You've got to replace the lie with truth or another lie will just fit right in there. Does this make sense? And so Romans 12, 2 is our verse for the year about transformation. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, we want to be transformed. Amen? Am I right? Come on. But see, the problem is you don't get Romans 12, 2 without Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, brothers and sisters, by the God's mercy to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God, which is your true and proper worship. See, a living sacrifice is more difficult than a dead sacrifice. We're living, we're offering ourselves up to God every day. God, we love you. God, we're going to live for you today. God, we're going to serve you today. But see, we're living and we live in a world of Nazareth narratives, of lies and half-truths and partial lies. Are y'all with me? That we have believed and many times we defend. 
Come on, somebody. The Bible says, let, let, every, let God be true and let every man be a liar. It's time to get rid of the Nazareth narrative. It's time to believe what God says. Maybe your word ought to be loved, adopted, cared for. Maybe your word ought to be accepted. Maybe your word ought to be freedom, your word for 2023. What's it gonna be that you walk in? See, shortly after my salvation, one of the things that God did for me, oh, my mercy, I will never forget the day. I was listening. The pastor was preaching a sermon on the love of God is the love of a father. And I got this father hole in my heart big enough to drive a truck through. Remember the narrative. I was unlovely. No father would want me. No father could ever love me. And then God met me at that altar. I, I mean, I just fell out on the altar sobbing. And God picked me up and I climbed up into his arms and I felt the, the embrace of God for the absolute first time. And I realized the narrative was a lie. God loves me. God's adopted me. God cares for me. God's called me. God's going to keep me. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. God exposed that lie in my life and I said, I won't believe that anymore. My biological daddy might not have wanted me and some of those stepdads may have done some horrible things to me, but I'm telling you, my God loves me. And my God is there for me. And my God protects me. And my God cares for me. And now I just say to myself, this now today, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm called adopted. Man, I am just so excited. Are you with me? If you hadn't gotten into if you hadn't been in next steps, I want to challenge you. Let's finish it. Let's get, let's get moving. Let's be a family who, lo- who, who loves God together, who, re- who sees the, who sees the rewrite of the Nazareth narrative. There's a QR code on the screen. You can sign up for the next steps. See, what God wants to do is redeem your Nazareth narrative. You say, but I've been hurt, Pastor. God doesn't waste your pain. He'll turn your scars into stars and your stars into stories. And God will use what's happened to you to deliver more people than you can imagine. If you'll drag that into the light, allow God to heal you, allow God to rewrite the narrative that you are loved, that you are a masterpiece, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are his masterpiece, that w- which God put for ordained uh, good works that he wants you to walk in. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is gone, the church is growing. Early in the book of Acts, Peter and John are at the beautiful gate, there's a guy begging who's, who's lame, and the guy looks at him expecting to get something and they said, hey, silver and gold have we none, but what we have in the name of Jesus of, in the name of Jesus of, come on somebody, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I command you, get up and walk. And the lame man walked. I'm telling you, there's power in the name of Jesus. The Jesus of Nazareth, the one who overcame, the one who rose, come on, and he wants us to walk in the same victory. Men and women of God, you do not have to live substandard. You don't have to live beaten down. You don't have to live because someone lied, someone hurt you, someone rejected you, someone walked out of you. Listen, my dad was smart. He had been with me all my life. It was his loss and not mine. Are y'all with me? Come on, are y'all with me? My soul and body. And I'm telling you, God has been a daddy. God has been an Abba. God has been a father. It's been incredible. And God wants to rewrite your Nazareth narrative right now. 
But you got to see it. You got to see it. Father God, we come in the <coughs> strong name of Jesus. God, there's some people who believe some things that are not true. God, I pray right now that you would open our eyes to the lies that have, that have been injected into us. Some from before we can remember. And God, that we would rebuke those and they would be pulled out by the roots and we walk in freedom. We have all the freedom we want. And Jesus, we believe you lived a perfect life, died on a cross and rose from the grave and your power is here for us today. And so I pray across every campus that you'd reveal that you would transform the hand that holds me, has molded me. And God, we trust you, we believe you. And now God, let us walk out of emotional bondage and let us walk in victory. <coughs> in the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, come on, give him a shout of praise, would you?